you for listening to this message from the North Gate. Well, we have a special treat for you that none of you knew about, and I almost ruined the surprise about three times. So it, it was a tough one. As many as you know, Tuesday is Buggy's 13th birthday. Buggy will be 13 years old, be a big, bad teenager. And um, so in that, we've always made the, you know, the double-digit birthday's a big one. 13's a big one. And uh, 16 will be a big one, which Trenton will be coming up on this August. And uh, so we always try to do something special for our kids. And when we do something big and something special for our kids, we want them to invite their best friend. And so in that, we did not know the treasure that we would begin to have in Parker and Becky. And it literally, it's just been since we started going to Mobile, our kids found the treasure first. And uh, because you don't know everybody in Mobile and we knew who they were and we knew they'd been in leadership with Apostle Aaron and we don't know them like we're getting to know them now and it's just perfect and awesome. But our kids discovered their family first. And so when we started going to Mobile, Mobile, when Apostle moved there, um, our kids just out of nowhere would be like, can we go stay the night at the Parker's house? Sure. Slow down, slow down. You know, so in this, as they start staying the night, I don't let my kids stay the night just anywhere. Like that's the first thing, that statement I need to make to everybody in the room. My kids don't just stay anywhere. And that's even when we travel to the Carolinas. That's when we go to Mobile. They don't just stay anywhere. It has to be a real gut check in Holy Spirit for me to say, hey, I trust you. Because there's a lot of people that sit under the sound of our apostles' voice, sit under my brother's voices, and still carry a mask to a degree inside of their home. And I want to make sure my children are always protected in the provision of the lifestyle that we are providing and living in a kingdom way. And so this family, we have found out, has walked with Apostle Aaron, who we honor huge in Miserabi in this house, as our legacy. He told me they have walked with them for 28 years, which that is abs. Come on. So inside of that, that means he knows your apostle for a very long time. We were talking the other night about he knew Apostle D when he had the frosted blonde tips in his hair and was wearing three-piece suits and preaching all over the place. So there's such a history and a legacy here. But back to Buggy, Buggy's birthday, we knew for his birthday there's no other person on the planet he would want to spend it with than Eli and Eber. And so in this, I was like, how do I make this happen? And so I made a phone call, and uh, I said, this is a long shot. This is a huge long shot because... This man and this woman are pastors in Mobile now, the way Apostle has set things in place. You are a part of the pastoral team there. You're a part of Legacy Academy and how many other hats you wear as mom, dad, coach, husband, wife, like me and Tina. You have all kinds of hats and you got all kinds of kids. And I throw the wishing rock in the pond and I said, man, it's Buggy's birthday. I'm like, Parker, it would be absolutely awesome if you guys would make the drive. And I know when I'm asking him to make this drive, this is over a month ago. It is Russian roulette with a snowstorm. <laughs> so inside of that, first he had to go and make sure everything was good with the church. And Apostle D gave the green light. And so for the world, you know how I believe. This is not, we have a guest speaker. 
this is literally the Apostle Paul sending Timothy. That's how we roll here. When you step in this house, everybody in this room knows that you are coming from the Antioch of the house of our apostle, which was the house of your apostle, which is a man under authority who's a man under authority who's a man that's under authority, which is a mighty root system. And we so honor Apostle Ball and Miss Shirley and Apostle Aaron and Miss Robbie and Apostle Damon and Mama Tammy. And so in that, we honor you and we thank you that they made, they now know what the drive is like. <laughs> so there will be so much grace from Parker and Becky and their kids when our faces show up in Mobile 10 times a year. <laughs> And listen, not only did they just do it, they had to do it through a storm. And they made it, and the Lord protected them, and the kids got to go sled ride, and then they got to do all kind of Ohio stuff. And it's been amazing, but this is the cherry on top for all of us. Buggy's had an amazing birthday with a family that he loves dear. And uh, I am thankful for your family. My family is thankful for your family. But man, now we get the word of the Lord being sent from the house of our apostle. Will you honor Mr. Parker as he comes to bring the word tonight? Man, thank you, brother. I love you, man. <laughs> hey, I know we call a lot of people pastor, apostle, all that kind of stuff, but I have no idea. It's just fitting. How many members of the show Mr. hanging with Mr. Cooper back in the day? <laughs> I, I told Tina, Mr. Parker to my kids because they... they it's like hanging with Mr. Cooper. So he is forever going to be Mr. Parker. Sweet. No matter what hat roll you, I love it, the man. family's going to call you Mr. Parker. But we are thankful awesome. for you to be here. I'm only asking one thing before you just cut loose and yes, sir. do whatever the Holy Spirit asks you to do. You guys know how we honor the path of Apostle Aaron and the Hebraic alphabet. And I'm, I'm so thankful when I get around somebody who has the little weird side that I have that I don't get to show the world. And uh, it, I shouldn't say weird, authentic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so in that, um, able to sit down and begin to share some mysteries with him while he has been here. And you guys know that when I was in a prayer meeting a couple months back, and the Lord told me I'm not allowed to call 2000 and call it 2024. I have to call it 2024 and call it the year of love, L-O-V-E 2024. Mm. L-O-V-E 204. It's not 2024. It's 2024. And immediately, this is why it's important of who you're connected to. Because this is a piece that I had a piece of it, but not have the fullness of it. And so when I get around him and I start explaining to him what the Lord is sharing with us, he immediately hears in the spirit, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And so I know that he has a word from the Lord for us, but he also has a piece that he gave me that I'm asking that you would share with them what the 2024 is. Yes, Will you sir. do that for me, for sir? Sure. All right, we give it up for Mr. Parker. <laughs> Good evening. Well, uh, thank you. It's a tremendous honor to be here. We, Becky and I, have just been so excited about this trip. Uh, we couldn't tell the kids until closer to coming because they wanted to know how many more sleeps, especially easy, uh, until we were coming up here to surprise Buggy and uh, spend some time with the Lovejoys. But before I get in, um, yeah, this 2024 is really a big deal. So growing up in Mobile, um, 
I have been, you know, born and raised really under Apostle Aaron. Uh, we've known Pops, Apostle D, for 28 years as well. I was an 11-year-old kid. He was 21 years old. Before he even entered into ministry, I got to witness Apostle Aaron sending him out. So it was, you know, Damon was the big bro that everybody loved and has become a father to me and Becky and my family. Um, grandfather, I guess, to my kids. They call him Pops. He may very well be Emmy's favorite person on the planet. Uh, she absolutely loves him and he loves her. Uh, um, but yeah, so growing up in Mobile, we we're probably the weird group, you know, uh, as far as the secrets and mysteries and things of that nature. And whenever Pastor Jimmy began to talk about, I guess you're known as Pops here too, huh? Yeah, so whenever Pops began to share uh, this vision about how Yahweh had really branded this year 2024 rather than 2024 immediately, I just felt uh, like an excitement in my spirit. And, and it was kind of like, you know, what, what John the Baptist would do inside of Elizabeth when they found of the announcement of Yeshua's coming. It, inside of me, there was something that I'm carrying that came to life. And I said, man, do you mind if I just share my heart and what the Father's showing me right now about what He has already shown you in 2024? So in the Hebraic alphabet, the number two represents the letter Bayit, which means the house. And so I, I immediately begin to see how something significant about this house was coming into play. The number zero, sometimes when you get into gematria, I don't really follow that in, in the Hebrew um, language very much, which is a combination of these numbers, because the number zero can cancel things out. And I begin to ask Yahweh, well, like if two represents the house, what is the, the zero a representation of? And he immediately said it was a clean slate of wiping the slate clean. So if you know how Yahweh does things, it says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So the, the, the nature and the intention of Yahweh is that we don't carry a double standard. And it doesn't mean that you can function in the realms of the Spirit 99% of the time. I've heard Pops preach this in Mobile. And then function in the flesh 1% of the time. Because that duplicity, that duality, still establishes the fact that there are two separate natures that exist at the same time. Yahweh doesn't desire that. So why would He wipe the slate clean in this house? And I believe it's because there is a fresh way of building that he is calling forth to be established in the north gate. And so whenever things don't look the way that you are familiar with, please do not discount that. Please don't allow yourself to become fearful. Becky and I, we love the movie Dumb and Dumber. Um, and so like when things typically go south, this is very spiritual, I look at her and I say, our pet's heads are falling off. Like we've had those moments before. And, and sometimes in times of trans transition, I know Pastor B was up here last weekend. And, um, and so I, I tuned into the live stream. And, and the trauma of transition, sometimes when you see things that are unfamiliar, it can startle you if you are not seated in peace. And so this is an encouragement for you to remain in a position of rest and be seated at peace because what I believe is happening is, is as these foundations are being shaken, Yahweh is, is establishing a greater degree of trust in your hearts to where you can look to Him and say, our pets' heads aren't falling off. We're about to inherit the whole zoo. 
right? It's not that, that things are getting bad and they're difficult and these things are scary and change is coming. All of this is set up to be woven into the goodness of Yahweh's faithfulness to be a witness in your story. So 202 again is the house again. What does this mean? Pastor Jimmy began to talk to me uh, about his teachings on the different dimensions and how in the third dimension he taught, man, I've, you know, I've been raised in Mobile, but I never heard this before. And this is what Yahweh was showing you about what Apostle Aaron has been speaking for so many years. But in the third dimension, you're capable of identifying things of the kingdom. But from the fourth dimension beyond, you begin to function from that place. And there's a lot of people who can speak the language. They can, they can learn the, uh, the translation. They can, they can fake, they can parrot the language. But to be able to carry heaven... It's something special. And man, let me tell you, from the time that we entered Ohio, we stopped at the first rest area that we could find in Ohio to take a picture in front of the map of the state. And, you know, it was snowing, which I'll get into our our whole, you know, experience with snow so far. We get into Ohio and it says on the back wall, like we go in, we see the big state. We're looking at the cities. We find Streetsboro. We looked at how far away from Streetsboro we were and we thought we were 20 minutes up the road, you know. Uh, But a few hours later, here we are. But as we begin to exit the building, it said Ohio, the heart of it all. And I believe that that this, this state, man, there's something special that Yahweh is establishing in Ohio, but I believe that even Streetsboro is the center of the heart of it all. Not geographically, but from a place of, of Yahweh just establishing His kingdom in the earth. Man, there is not a sound that is coming forth like the one that He is releasing here. We have felt so at peace. We come in, what does it say? Feel so good to be home? Something like that. It's so good to be home. I walked in, how can I be several hundred miles from Mobile and feel so at home? It's like we got to to meet many of you and spend just a brief amount of time with you. We felt like home, man. Mike, Mike comes in and, and brings me this water. Like He's like, I can't have you drinking this other water. I got you a special water. And it's like, you see, and I've seen a lot of your faces in Mobile, but had not had an opportunity to connect. So this is so special. But in this house, the second bayit is a witness. When you have two, it, it becomes a witness. And what that witness is, is not only someone who's able to perceive what is being established, but people who are able to be a part of it. And so the witness of these houses, I immediately begin to think, and I, I've been praying into this all weekend, I immediately begin to think, well, Yahweh's going to do a special joining between the houses. So the house of Mobile, the house of Streetsboro, the house of, of Edmonton, the house of, you know, South Carolina, of Brad and, you know, the Custers. Like, it, it's like, that's what I begin to think. And he said, no, there's more to it than that. There is a, a joining of houses that is going to bring a function together to where you're able to work from that fourth dimension and beyond. And that is what opens up portals. That is what opens up windows. Please don't let this language scare you. Okay? I know it's like, oh man, this, this bearded guy is coming in from Mobile. Of course he's going to talk about portals, right? I'm, I'm telling you that there is a, a degree of authority that you and I are design, designed and intended to carry that we can't do unless we are functioning from a place of beloved identity. The the missing piece for me is that Yahweh is bringing wholeness to my heart 
to allow me to be made whole to where I, I knew that I was designed to carry a great degree of authority, but I'm telling you, when you try to carry that and you're broken, what you, what you project is just going to be a broken example of what was originally intended. And so there has been a restoration in my heart that I see Yahweh's love for me, the way that he cares for me, his kindness, his compassion. And, and, and that is what is setting us up to carry something greater than we could ever imagine. Come on, that's good. And so this, this joining of the houses, I don't know what that means to you. I haven't been able to hear all this good news. Bren didn't leak a secret. You know, Pops and Mama T here didn't leak any secrets. They were like, after you speak Sunday night, we've got some things that we want to share with you. But for prophetic integrity, I think is the term you used. We're not going to do that. So I've just been praying into this. But four is really what's special because the fourth letter of the Hebrew language is Dalit, which is a representation of the doorway. It is the opening. And so my desire is that as these houses are able to connect and join and bear witness with one another and walk together and establish the kingdom of heaven the way that Yahweh designed and intended for it to be, it's going to open up doorways in your lives, not just for you as a church family, but for you individually. And, and, and I hope that this is an encouragement to you to be able to see those doors that are already existing. They're already here for you. They're already awaiting your arrival. But there are doors that you are designed, portals that you're designed to open up that are going to release a greater measure of heaven than you've ever experienced. And that may look like businesses. That may look like relationships. That may look like witty inventions. I declare that the spirit of prudence is alive and well within this house, that you would be able to, to tap into the deep things that Yahweh has prepared for you. There, there are things that only you are designed to unlock, and we may not have a roadmap for what that looks like yet because they can't exist until you call them forth. One of the greatest responsibilities that Adam had in the Garden of Eden was that he had the ability to create. And when I talk about creativity, I'm not talking about an expansive imagination. I'm talking about the characteristic of, of Abba, who's able to look into the formless and create form. Yeah, come on. That's right. So there are things that are formless that you hold the key to unlock. Yeah. That's going to be made available and, and recognizable to you as you just allow yourself to be able to engage with the Father. And, and whenever I'm telling you this degree of trust, so, so when, I, when I talked about the clean slate, we don't, have, we don't have a reference point for what Yahweh desires to do. Yeah, come on. Bill Johnson, I believe, said one time that it's, it's, it's a shame to him that people receive a book that they didn't have in the Old and New Testament but reject the spirit that they did. Yeah. Some of these answers that Yahweh is going to place in your heart and call forth out of your life, you're not going to have a scripture for. Yeah, come on. And that's okay. That's okay. It should be that way. Behold, I do a new thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so don't allow these things to, to scare you because, oh my God, I can't find a, a, a reference in Scripture about this. How, how are we going to be able to do this? Just trust. Yeah. Trust. Yeah. There's a difference between familiarity and tolerance. Familiarity is not a bad thing. A lot of people cry out like, God, please, I pray that you never become familiar to me. Familiarity is the ability to recognize. Yes. 
Tolerance is when you allow yourself to consume something, but it doesn't have the same effect. And I believe that one of the problems in the church at large is that it's not that, that Yahweh has become familiar to us. It's that we've become tolerable to him. Pops has said so many times that the, the problem is not that we're fascinated by the wrong thing. It's that we're not fascinated enough by the right things. Yeah. Yes, and so my cry is that I'm able to recognize what Yahweh does, right? It, it's the servant who doesn't know what the master's doing, but he reveals all things to who? The sons. Yeah. You and I, if I can be the bride of Christ, then ladies, you can be the son. We are the sons of Yahweh, and He desires to reveal His heart and His nature to us. This is, is why wholeness is such a big deal. Uh, I don't know if, if you guys are familiar with this. Recently, um, man, it's been amazing. In Mobile, when I thought, to, to kind of finish this thing up, I guess, to the 2024 of, of this dollar, I believe that there are doors and portals that Yahweh is opening up in this house on your behalf. And you just have to trust that everything he's doing for you is for your good. Yep. Because he's that good. That's right. That's I, you know, I have a, a slightly different testimony um, than many people, but I just want to tell you that I thought that I was familiar with the goodness of Yahweh. And, and he is revealing a greater degree of good than I ever knew was possible. Wow, come on. And, and I just want to come tonight to, to bring an announcement of hope that even if you are not walking in a place where you are experiencing the goodness of Yahweh, to continue to be faithful. Yes, continue on. to walk with Him and allow Him to reveal Himself to you. Yeah. Yeshua is revealing the true nature of who God is. Yeah. He's not sensitive. He's not, <laughs> you know, He's not just all over the place. And He, he is consistent and He's faithful through the ages. And he desires for us to reveal himself the way that Yeshua revealed him. And, and that is not an angry God who's waiting for all of us to screw up. That way he can smite us and, and judge against our behalf, man. It's that he comes in and overwhelms us with his love and his kindness and his goodness. And, and that is what leads men to repentance. And so, you know, whenever you're in this thing, man, I'm telling you, I, I thought I knew how good Yahweh was. And we are truly living our best lives. Wow. Come on. In the middle of everything going on, in the middle of all these changes and, and challenges and things like that, it's not that they don't exist. We just don't allow those things to determine our position. Wow, that's good. We're, not, we're not even just saying that, you know, that we're not going through things. Man, we've, we've gone through a lot. This change looks very different than everything that we thought it would be and expected it to be. Yeah. But I'm telling you, everything that has happened for us has been just a, a secondary consequence of Yahweh's love. Yeah. That he would just put his finger upon our lives and say, hey, there's still fragments over here. I want you to be made whole. And every time we look down in shame, he kneels down to gather our attention. And whenever people point at how dirty our feet are, he cleans them. Man, I'm telling you, that's the, that's the gospel. It's not that he's going to come up here and expose you for who you are. He, he's going to love you so greatly that you will not allow anything, man. Come on. It's that you, 
everything that is outside of who he is in the way he feels about you, man, he's going to come after it and say, this thing can't, can't abide in you. It can't live in you. So when, when you feel like Yahweh's against you or he's bringing judgment or he's, he's calling things to the surface or he's pressing you through a difficult time, we heard a, I don't even know who sings this song, man. We listen, we're from Alabama. Country music, we listen to it. He said something about um, if pressure makes diamonds, how the heck am I still cold? And I edited that. But there's a line that, man, I felt like that. Like, man, I'm, I'm still the coal, like the diamond, but it's coming. That's right. It's coming. It's that His glory will be revealed in us. Yes. But, man, I think, I think, you know, some of these times I have felt like in the old ages that, that when things didn't go according to plan, it was His judgment against me. And through this greater degree of revelation in this position that he's called me to, I'm realizing that all these judgments were for me. Yeah, come on. Wow, come on. That's good. All of these judgments were for me. And, and I, I looked at like, Yahweh, why are we here this weekend? You know, like I apologize for all the snow that you guys got. I hear y'all get it. But man, we've been praying this stuff in since we found out we were making the trip. I've never been north of Tennessee. So yeah, yeah, I've never been so far north that they don't put sugar in tea. That's different, right? You don't get a body like this by drinking water unless it's steeped with tea and sugar, right? It, it's a combination, man. They just go together. It's the way it was made to be. So, so when we found out that we were coming up to Mobile, man, it was so special. I mean, coming up to Ohio from Mobile, we found, I mean, it was so special to us because our boys was like, is it going to snow? And we looked at the Apple weather. They don't know what they're talking about. I just want to say that, man. We saw, we looked at there. It was like, oh, no snow, no snow, no snow, no snow. But it's going to be cold. And I'm like, why does it get cold if it's not going to snow? Right? Right? That's like trying to eat something that doesn't have flavor. Like it may be, it may be the way it is, but it's not, you know, it's not going to be enjoyable. Uh, as a matter of fact, in Mobile this past week on Tuesday night, uh, our, whole, our whole state shut down from Mobile all the way up to Huntsville. We closed our schools down. All the roads were closed. The banks were closed. Post office was closed. You know why? We got 20-degree weather. <laughs> Today, we're out there sledding, you know, and I never thought that 24 degrees would feel so warm. <laughs> Heck, y'all, I didn't even wear socks tonight. It's too hot. It's too hot for socks tonight. It's, it's 18 degrees, man. What are we talking about? So we're driving up. We're driving up, and, and we get to, like, you know, we get to Huntsville. We enter into Tennessee, and we see a little bit of snow on the ice. I mean, ice on the, the road. And it's all over on the side. And I'm telling everybody, you know, I'm driving. I'm like, y'all quiet down. These, these bridges are frozen. I've got to focus. <laughs> We're, we're still a good 12 hours away. And, but, but Apple said that we weren't going to get any snow. And so I'm thinking we're just going to hit this one little patch where we see some frozen water. And, uh, and we continue to make that trip. And the further we got, you know, along, I was like, you know, at the end of it, we're just sliding through. I've got a brother that's younger than me, and uh, he lives in Mokina, Illinois. And he said, I know you've never driven in snow, but just you've driven in mud your whole life which is very true. So, so he was like, just treat it like you're mud riding. 
if you feel it slip a little bit, just kind of lean into it, let off the acceleration, and then take it low and slow. Just enjoy the ride, man. And so, so we did that, and, uh, and we made it here. And I feel like a seasoned veteran now. I know we're just staying at like Fairfield right off the interstate, but I didn't even put the church address in my GPS tonight. I was so proud of myself. I pulled up. I knew exactly where I needed to turn, man. I, I've been here my whole life. And, uh, <laughs> but we are, we are extremely grateful. As a matter of fact, when we were preparing to come here um, on Tuesday, I'm trying to be the responsible dad and father and show my wife how handy I am. So I wanted to winterize the house. And what that means is, is that you wrap up like your spigots outside and you put the foam around the ones that are coming out of the ground so your water lines don't freeze. Because if the water tries to kick on and they're frozen, it's going to bust, right? So come around to the side of the house. Becky had already tried to get this one and she said that the water hose was stuck on there. And so I'm thinking, I got you. Like, <laughs> this is my time to shine, right? And so, so I go around there and I like wear my hand out, just cut up the, the palm of my hand, trying to un, un, you know, disconnect this water hose and I can't get it. So I run down to the garage, get some channel lock pliers. And so those things, I clamped them on there, lined it up just right. I'm pumping on this thing coming out of the brick in the side of the house. And I felt it budge a little bit. And I was like, I got it. And it broke off. So I, I gave it one more, one more little pump. And as I did, the water hose and the spigot just dropped. And I'm looking at water just spraying me in the face, man. And I'm sitting there like I'm one of the burglars from Home Alone. <laughs> Like, what is going on? And you can't really run around in Mobile. It's crazy because everyone at the homestead in Mobile has a beard. And that used to be the thing. Now I'm not the guy with the beard. I'm the penny loafer guy. You know, it's like, you know, everybody has a beard up there, but, but I'm the only one under the age of 85 that wears penny loafers. I've been doing it my whole life, right? And so, so when you are sneaking around a house, you know, in our neighborhood, some of the neighbors kind of, you know, they're like, is that Parker or are they in trouble? You know, and I'm just over there, water splashing up and spraying in my face. But we got that right. Uh, we got everything taken care of. But um, yeah, we're not, we're not cold weather people prior to this trip. And I feel like now, like we can give advice. So if any of you need help, <laughs> winterizing your houses. Knowing when to wear socks, when not to wear socks, I'm your guy. Just give me a call. We'll be here till tomorrow morning. But uh, no, it's a, it's a tremendous honor. But I begin to ask Yahweh, like, what are we going up here for? Because we don't, we don't get to do this often. And it's a tremendous, man, you watch from the sidelines and you hear of the love joys. And you hear of the Thompson family. And you, you see all these guys. And man, y'all are like my heroes you know, like I never, never thought that I would have an opportunity to run alongside. You know, it was always just admiration and honor from a distance. And, um, and so I begin to, to just lean into this, but this is very special. I don't, I don't come up here flippantly and say, oh, I'm going to give them message three from my notes. 
Like, I, I lean in and I know that if Yahweh is calling us up here to be able to celebrate Buggy and I have an opportunity to pour my heart out into this house, it's going to be something fresh. Wow. It's going to be something unique. It, it's, not, it's not an outline that you've ever heard before. And it's funny because I carry something and everything really resol- revolves around one thing in our lives and it's really hope. So, so I begin to see like, well, what are we coming up here for? Bugs is turning 13. Like we get to come up here and party and, and celebrate him. And so as we do, Yahweh said that I'm sending you guys to Ohio to be an announcement of the party that's already taking place. This isn't something where I want to encourage you to believe that things will become better. I want to encourage you to recognize how great it already is. And man, I feel hope from the moment we walked in. I feel not just the spirit of hope is filling this room tonight. I feel like the being of hope is present. And not just your hope. We met hope. <laughs> you know, she's, she's here, bro. Uh, as amazing as she can be. But there is the being of hope that is here tonight. And I just want to bring a word of encouragement to you all because I believe that that you are coming into a time where if you can just recognize how great this day is. It's, you know, everybody was asking us, how was the drive? Number one question, right? When you're on the road for, when you've got four kids, a 14-hour drive turns in. And this man knows. I should have trusted. I still saw 14 on Google Maps and he told me 16, and I was like, oh, he's just evangelizing a little bit. He's stretching it, you know, and, and I was like, no, he knows. I think it turned into like 17 or 18 because, you know, everybody was on different bathroom schedules and food schedules, and then we just wanted to stop and see the snow. That's right, get, hop in, we got to get it going. And um, so anyways, as we're, as we're coming up, I begin to even look at the snow how, like, when it really began to snow, okay, like Upper Kentucky, Ohio, not just the little bit of accumulation that we had taken pictures of. It would be embarrassing if, if I showed you the pictures we took of, like, snow, and you, like, you can see the parking lot, and we're just, like, kneeling down with, like, two little granules of snow. We're throwing them up, like, yeah, you know, selfie time. Look, we're, we're in the cold, and uh, <laughs> that's what it was for us. But the beauty of this area never gets old. Like Becky and I were driving around today and she was like, it just doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. And I just want to come tonight with that announcement. Don't ever let it get old. Don't ever let the beauty of the expression of this house become so tolerable that you fail to be moved by what Yahweh is doing in this place through your lives. You guys have blessed and honored us in ways that we could have never imagined. I'm telling you, this is so special. Like, we just felt like we were family, you know? And not just because I've seen Dakota and he's up here and Caden's my bodyguard and things like that. Like, we know. We know. They all tell me he's a teddy bear, but I'm like, bro, you don't look like one. It doesn't matter how sweet the German Shepherd is. When you see that thing, you ain't running in the yard, bro. (laughs) I'm safe behind this man. <laughs> so like, it's, it's not just because we recognize your faces. It's just such a tremendous honor to be able to run with people who are, are seeking the one thing. Yeah. And that one thing is, is one individual. 
And that's the heart of God. It is the heart of Yahweh. And you guys shine so well. You carry His presence in a way that is very uncommon. And my, my prayer is not that Yahweh would do just simply an uncommon thing. It's that we would never allow those uncommon things to become common in our lives. I know how it is, man. We, you know, our church has grown tremendously. You know, Apostle Aaron used to always make jokes about the the number of our congregation and the issues that we're having to overcome and plan for now. We've never we've never been in that that vein before. I'm telling you, those days are coming. Because whenever the world begins to recognize the light that you carry, but you can never treat that as a common thing. If you want them to be able to recognize the value and the worth of what you carry, you must first recognize and value what you carry. It's such a big deal. May may you never be tolerant of what Yahweh is doing here. May this never be another Sunday night gathering of just incredible times of prayer and worship and, and stirring of your spirit. Please always allow yourself to be moved to the same degree to a greater capacity. The reason we cry out for more of Yahweh is that it is a a thing to where you learn how to function in the depths of who He is from that place. But I'm telling you, the the more that you cry out for more, it should always move you to a greater degree. It should always move you to a greater degree. So so we're going to go ahead and jump right in. I'm grateful for the chair. I'm a sitter. I don't know if y'all know that or not. I didn't, I was expecting, you're not, I know. Pastor B is not, and I think the big thing is like, I'm not a high energy speaker. So like, I don't like run around the room and I'm not gonna hype you up and I'm not gonna, you know, unless something crazy happens. And if it does, I'm open to it. I'll do it. But my nature primarily, look at this, man, a $14 bottle of water. I don't even feel worthy, Mike, to... To screw the cap off of that thing, man. I think I should frame it. (laughs) You got to be kidding me, man. (laughs) You got to be kidding me. So before we jump in, I I do want to introduce to you my family. I know y'all have heard uh, Pops talk about, you know, our children. They're absolutely amazing. The real MVP of the Thomaston family is my wife, Becky. Um, We've been together. This will be 20 years So for those of you, especially the older men in the room who are doing the math, I didn't rob her out of the cradle. I know she looks a lot younger than me. I'm working on my Santa Claus retirement plan uh, with the long white beard. I'm getting there quicker than I ever desired to. Um, But yeah, we met in in 2004, um, really the spring of 2004 at the University of Mobile. So I was a a freshman in college. She was a senior in high school. I feel like just telling the story is, is fun. So I hope that you can go here with me. I promise we will get into some scripture, um, but I feel like Yahweh's going to really tie all this together. So uh, we hadn't even shared this with Pops and Mama T yet, um, but we met in the spring of 2004. She was at the University of Mobile walking across the campus. I had been there for a year, still didn't have a girlfriend, scoped out everybody on campus, and nobody would give me a chance, right? And so, so as we're doing that, And I I promise I looked a lot more presentable without a beard 
And I even tried, you know, changing the penny loafers out for sandals occasionally, but apparently those little two-strap sandals are less manly than penny loafers, if that's possible. I still own both types of shoes, so, all right, she's walking out of the room, so I can really tell y'all the truth. Um, but yeah, she walked across the campus, she entered the gymnasium, I followed her in there, and my, my boys were like, my God, Dad, you were stalking her? And a lot of the young people, I'm like, no, look, so... So back in the day, when you found someone attractive, you would actually introduce yourself and speak to them, right? And say, hey, you're beautiful. My name's Parker. What brings you here? Right? And so something along those lines. And so I didn't even get a chance to introduce myself. I walk in the gymnasium and the cheerleading coach, y'all picking up on this, says, are you here for tryouts? And naturally, I say, absolutely. That's, that's the only reason I walked into this gym today is because I was intending on trying out to be a college male cheerleader, right? So I walk in, I walk in, my mom has, you know, my mom and dad, I'm so grateful for, they, they got us at, at the Rock of Mobile at the time, you know, years ago. Um, and so we walk in the, you know, there, but she has taught dance my entire life. So I played baseball. That was all my, my thing. Um, I wasn't good enough to make the baseball team at an NAIA college. Uh, not D1, not D2, not D3. NAIA, still not good enough. They're like, hey, you can walk on. And I'm like, I'm too competitive to walk on. There's no way I'm sitting on the bench and watching my buddies play baseball. And I'm, you know, they're laughing at me as I'm bringing them their helmet, you know, uh, when they're getting ready to step up to the plate. And so uh, we get in there and I can tumble. Like, believe it or not, I'm not going to do it for you tonight. Uh, but I can, I can still do, like, I did it, you know, a couple of months ago because Easy didn't believe me, our youngest son. So I did like a round off backhand spring in the front yard and they're like, my God, at 280 pounds, you can still do it. I'm like, hey, bro, once you get moving, all you have to do is just figure out how to stop. So, uh, so, so yeah, I go in there, I earn a, I earn a scholarship Get to know Becky, right? Because I introduced myself and I, I didn't think I really had a chance. I definitely outkicked my coverage. All the great ones do. Um, and so, so we come in there and they're like, hey, we want you to come cheer for us. I'm like, great. So she and I go to a, um, a cheer camp at the university, a small little school in Tuscaloosa called the University of Alabama. Um, I'm so glad that Nick Saban retired. I'm an Auburn guy. My granddad, Toby, War Eagle. Yeah, where, okay, he's up there in the sound booth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Man, when we heard that, uh, this is, I promise we will get spiritual again. When we heard that Nick Saban retired, I think most of the United States went into a celebratory, you know, dance, right? It was like, I, I would imagine that you guys feel the same way. Michigan fans probably on the fence this year, right? But not the past couple of years um, because they got, they got the best of them. But um, yeah, so we were up there at Tuscaloosa. Um, I brought my guitar with me because I wanted her to know that I played guitar. And not only played guitar, but I was a worship pastor. And so, so we get out there and it was the cheesiest thing, man. I'm like singing How Great Is Our God, but I got one eye open looking at her while I'm singing it to make sure, you know, that she's really into this thing. We became the best of friends over that weekend. And, um, and we just talked on the phone a lot over the summer. Well, when she shows up on campus, I know that I grew up at the Rock of Mobile. 
And so the big deal is really going to be that she passes the church test. You know, anybody can relate to that. So, so it's like, man, if she can't run with me here, it doesn't matter how beautiful she is, probably not going to work out. So, hey, and it, it's that important. It was that important to me as well. It wasn't a, a funny thing. Like, I, I believe in being equally yoked. And so, so we get here, and this is absolutely amazing. I asked her if she'll come to church with me, and she declined. And I'm thinking, God, well, like, my, my cheer coach tried to call me off from talking to her because she said, this girl is the president of Fellowship of Christian Athletes at her high school. She's a great girl, godly young lady. I'm like, I'm a good guy. I've, I've never dated, you know, I've never dated anyone, you know, my entire life. Like I've, I've been waiting on the right one, the one, you know, it was a big deal to me. And so, so I asked her to church and she turned me down and I was like, well, you know, what for? And she said, I've already committed to a church in Mobile. And I'm like, well, shoot, I can sell ice to an Eskimo. We're going to do something about that. I said, what's the name of the church? Like, if you tell me, I may know the pastor, we can work something out. And so she said, it's called the Rock of Mobile. I'm like, man, are you kidding me? So she is from a small town north of Prattville, Alabama. um, And it's called Verbena. So her family knew Damon growing up. So they knew Pops and his parents, and, and her pastor actually was in his youth group and knew Apostle Aaron as well because he was their youth pastor. When he found out that Becky was moving to Mobile, he said, if you're going to be there, you have to go to the Rock of Mobile. And so for her, that was a non-negotiable. Her mind was already made up. Man, I, I was elated, to tell you the least. I was like, this is why... It is just so good to just trust Yahweh. Like, you know, I could have tried to make things happen and this, that, or the other, but I ended up having to wear a skirt and the little halter top and do backflips in college. No, I'm kidding. I never did that. (laughs) My boys are actually terrified. The first time that they saw, we went to an Auburn game together and they saw just the girl cheerleaders come down through Tiger Walk and they're all wearing the mini skirts and the halter tops and stuff. And they were like, you know, just ashamed of me. Wouldn't even look at me, didn't talk to me. For some reason, they're just ticked off that I'm even there with them. And I'm like, guys, what is the deal? We're here to have a good time. And they were like, Daddy, I cannot believe that you wore this. I was like, son, if I, if I wore that, your mother would have never even looked my way for a second time, man. It, it's not, not true. So, so the rest is history. What's fascinating to me is to see just how good Yahweh is to bring everything full circle. So when Pops and and Mama T, my Pops and Mama T, came to Mobile and he told me that they were moving in February two years ago, he said, you know, we're still praying into it, but it's a a pretty legitimate deal. Would you guys consider staying because we have need of what you carry? I said, man, this, you know, this is absolutely amazing. We have been so grateful for every expression that Yahweh has projected through our lives under the leadership of Apostle Aaron. But to be able to be where we are now is just so amazing. And and I, I love this because one of the greatest things that Apostle Ball has said over the years is do not despise the process. I was telling Big Mike about this last night, and I, I want to reaffirm this in your hearts tonight. And, and I always thought that that meant don't hate the process. Right? 
If I don't want to despise the process, that means don't hate the process. But whenever you look at the story of Jacob and Esau, that word despise is the same word that was used when it said that Esau despised his birthright. It means to forfeit. It's, it's never an issue of whether or not you can make it and see victory. The issue is in your faithfulness to remain. That is so good. So when I say do not despise the process, I want to encourage you tonight, don't forfeit. Do not forfeit your inheritance for a bowl of soup. What opened the door for him to despise his birthright was the fact that he became weary. And weariness kills more dreams than failure ever will. And I just want to encourage you, when I say that this is why hope is important, the being of hope will continue to rest here. There's enough going around that we don't just carry that back to Mobile and, and you experience a taste of hope. Hope is here to stay. That's right. And I believe that the being of hope is going to be something that exists and is just it 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 resonates through everything that you guys do. It's not limited to a space or a time or a season. It's that hope will continue to to just be made manifested, made tangible in this land. So coming back around full circle, Pops is in Mobile, we're here serving with him. Could I ever have thought that that was a possibility? Not in a million years. Not in a million years. And, and it doesn't mean that, that since he's been there that everything has been exactly the way I thought it would be. But it's been everything that I needed it to be. It's great to have expectations, but it is a terrible thing to limit yourself to those same expectations. Wow, that's good. When Yahweh shows up in a new way, don't get mad because it doesn't look the way it used to. When Yahweh shows up in a new way here, and things begin to look a little unfamiliar, don't get mad because it doesn't look like it once did. It's just a setup. You cannot continue to build the infrastructure of what Yahweh desires to establish in this house here at the north gate on the same foundation that you've been functioning from. That clean slate, the zero and 2024, is something that will continue to remain until that foundation is prepared to sustain what Yahweh designs to build in this house. Those footings, I'm telling you, are being built. Yeah. Yeah. It's that expand your tent pegs. Yes. That expansion is going to bring growth. But I'm telling you, it may look like you're taking a step backwards before you see the fullness of what Yahweh desires to pour out in this house. Don't let that make your heart weary. Don't allow that to, to cause you to depreciate the inheritance of what Yahweh has called you to do of what he's called you to be. It's a big deal. So yeah, we met. Uh, we're celebrating 17 years of marriage this year, 20 years together, and she's only 21 years old. That is crazy. No, I'm kidding. She's 37, I'm 38. Uh, we'll turn 38 and 39 this year. Uh, we have four absolutely amazing children. Like when I, when I tell you about her, 
like, I want to let you know that marriage can look good. This is my best friend. She's the MVP. She holds everything down. Like, we, she's, she's a rock star, man. I am so blessed. And it should be that way. And what's crazy is that somehow she feels the same way about me. And it doesn't mean that everyone in this room has to have a husband or a wife. But I'm telling you, there's a degree of honor. I think Bill Johnson said it best when he said, the culture of honor allows you to celebrate who someone is without stumbling over who they're not. And it doesn't mean that because you become aware of someone's flaws that you jump ship. We've all got that. My God, let's be honest. I think one thing that, that really breaks my heart is the lack of authenticity and vulnerability in leaders across this planet. Man, we need more truth to say, man, I'm not sitting up here because I've made all the right decisions. And I'm not sitting up here because I'm qualified. I'm sitting up here because of it's all grace. It's all mercy. That's the only reason all of us are here. And I'm telling you, the more that I am aware of Yahweh's love for me, the more qualified I become because I'm making better decisions. So why would I not? I don't want to drag anything into his presence that's not of him. Come on, it's good. And, and one of the, the most fascinating statements that happens in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve were deceived into thinking they had to earn something that was freely given for one. But it wasn't, it wasn't Yahweh that changed. Apostle D has said this countless times. It was Adam. And we feel like it was his sin that disqualified him. Somehow that's become the gospel. It's not. He's never changed. Because he still showed up for the walk. And Adam and Eve were under a different covering because they allowed themselves to move out of position. Don't allow shame or bad decisions or failures or disappointments to cause you to come out of a greater covering into something Something less. Because he still shows up for the walk. But man, I I just want to be honest with you, even with myself. I used to pride myself in my trophy case. Because I had so many testimonies of I've never done this, I've never done that, I've never done this, I've never seen that, I've never said this. I've done everything the way that because I was always a man after God's own heart. (laughs) Yahweh said, so was the one that just found me. Boom. Just like that, man. Stop believing that we're more qualified than anyone else because we've been doing this longer. I'm finding that there's more things in my heart that I'm having to dismantle because I learned them the wrong way because of my longevity in religion. And Yahweh's breaking me open and He's saying, just like Stephanie Gretzinger said in that interview, the deeper we go, the less we can carry. It's not of Him. And that doesn't just mean sin. That means those things that are wrong, when you begin to say, open up your heart. We don't want to continue to carry things that are not of you just because we've carried them for 25 years. I want to make space and I want to make room that every part of who I am is filled with who He is. That's the only way we're going to be able to shine and, and become those light beings the way that we were designed and intended to be. So, four kids, awesome. Eli is our oldest. Man, he's got on his Wild Thing jersey tonight, rocking Cleveland. 
major league. Um, he's just an amazing young man. And, and the things that I brag on about my children, he's, he's very athletic, like one of the most gifted baseball players in the state of Alabama at his age. Uh, kid had 87 plate appearances, one strikeout, went and played a, at a big tournament outside of Atlanta for a, a small program called The Perfect Game. He was concerned about not being able to compete up there. He gets up there first at bat. He gets a, a base-clearing triple in the, in the you know, we're zero to zero, two outs, bases loaded, hits one off the fence. Like, you know, he does his thing, but what I'm, I love the most about him is his heart. And he has absolutely come to life in this revelation of beloved identity because he knows how much Yahweh loves him. He'll sit and cry in the, in the altar and during worship. And it's not because he's having to get freed from all those poor decisions he made this week. It's because he's becoming more aware of how loved he is. And it is so special to be able to see, man, if I knew that at 12 years old, Instead of thinking that it was just based on my performance, I did the right things because I was scared to death of the consequences of the wrong things. He's doing the right things because he knows how loved he is, that he just can't fail. Why would he accept anything less than that? So Eli just turned 12. We've got Eber, who's 10 years old, the goat. My man is, you know, if, if it were this cold in Alabama, he would turn into an icicle. Because he has that much drip. He has that much drip. That dude is so stylish, but he's so creative. I'm telling you, just uh, very artistic. He's looking down at the hand warmers, is that right? I've got one in my beard right now. It's been there all night. That's really the trick to not wearing socks in 20 degree weather, is you just stick a little hand warmer right in here. If I'm, if I'm not cautious, it's going to pop out. And... Uh, <laughs> And so Eber is just the same way, biggest heart of anybody that i ever known, has, has never met a stranger, just so loving, will give you the shirt off of his back, kind, compassionate, um, absolutely amazing. We've got Ezekiel, we call him Easy. Um, most, especially with Ohio State, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, they call him Zeke most, but we've called him Easy from day one, and he's been that. He's like one of the, the coolest little dudes. Uh, he starts to get kind of wild when he's around the boys because he feels like he's 13 years old, trapped in a five-year-old's body. I said, me too, bro, but I'm trapped in a 38-year-old body. And uh, the effects of whirly ball is why I'm sitting down right now. <laughs> Between that, T-Bone stuck me so hard last night. Big Mike lobbed this pass out to me, and I don't know if they were working together or not. I feel like Mike loves me enough that he wouldn't do this to me, but he throws this little pass out, so I've got my scooper, and I'm watching the ball come in, and before I get to the scoop, I see T-Bone. My man just crushed me. I went, yeah, I almost came out. The little thing stuck right in my chest, and uh, I'm good, T-Bone. Two cracked ribs, but I got it wrapped up, baby. We're going to make it through the night. Just two, just two. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so um, easy though, he is something special. He's such a joy uh, to Becky and I, just an amazing young man. And then the cherry on top is little Amelia Hope. And um, she is just, I mean, everything that I could have ever dreamed of. 
I mean, like, I tell you, she has me and her brothers wrapped around her finger. We went to this little uh, place with some friends, and they had, like, an obstacle course on the inside with slides and stairs and all that. And uh, none of our kids were together. But Emmy went in there and got to the top by herself and got turned around and starts crying. And I was so proud, like, proud dad moment. All three of the brothers came running from different places in the room and got up there to her and escorted her down and were just like, we're here to protect our princess. And, um, and she's so sweet. She hasn't been feeling well on this trip, but she's feeling better now and coming around. But she's such a joy and uh, just loves all of her sisters. It's funny, like, you know, I know y'all have Sissy, but she was calling her sister, Talani's sister. Like, she just loves all of them so much and, uh, and loves Buggy. I mean, with all of her heart. We saw, when, when we saw him today, she was like, Daddy Buggy, and she like waved. I mean, if she would have been walking, she would have ran into the door. Um, but she is special. So the reason why I want to tell you this is because there was a time in our 17 years of marriage that Becky and I didn't have kids. And, and it looked like those odds were seemingly impossible unless we looked outside of the opportunity of us just having kids together. And, uh, and we were open to that, man, because I knew I'm the oldest of five. My wife is the youngest of four. She has three older brothers. Her dad from day one told us that we were going to have three boys and a girl. And I'm like, bro, you're out of your mind if you think we're having four kids. What kind of lunatic has four kids, bro? It's a circus everywhere we go. You can't pop in and out of a restaurant. It's a 45-minute wait to get you seated, right? They have to clear everything out and, and work all this stuff together. But it's just what we wanted. And so Miss um, Teresa... We call her Gaga in Mobile. Um, it's just amazing. She prophesied over us before we ever had kids that she saw our arms full of children. And, and we wanted to believe that, but I'm telling you, I, if I can be honest with you, there has been a, a fear of disappointment that has prevented me from fully engaging with my heart. And so I thought, man, as special as that would be, and, uh, and I, I won't tell you the whole story because I do have some fun things I want to get into. But, but we were praying um, for this for years. We had an opportunity. Uh, we were eating at a little chicken finger place similar to Cain's called Zaxby's in Mobile with Trey and Jessica Wright. And, uh, and so we didn't have kids at the time. This elderly man comes in, a, a black man with ice blue eyes. He had his son with him. They go up to the front desk. They ask for a cup of water. As they are seated, Yahweh lays it on my heart to just buy them a meal. And so I said, sir, I don't want to embarrass you, but God placed you on my heart. I saw you when you came in. I wanted to let you know he sees you. Would you please allow my wife and I to buy you and your son a meal? He just was very emotional. Yes, sir, you have no idea where we are right now. We're moving up from, um, to the northeast from the southern part of Florida. He said, my son is a, an opera singer. And um, the gentleman's name was Abel. I don't remember his son's name. They buy their food, and I just thought it was the right thing to do to ask if I could pray over their food. So we come in, and I think we're going to sit down. We're going to say a quiet, soft little prayer. This man stands up, grabs mine and Trey's hand. His son across from me grabs mine and Trey's hand. And this man begins to shout in the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, well, my God, there's no turning back now. 
one of the, the few moments in my life where I might have delivered the word of God and I wasn't sitting down. So we stand up and we just begin to pray and prophesy over him. We leave. A couple weeks later, Becky and I are doing some Christmas shopping. I see him in the parking lot of one of the department stores and I tried to avoid him. I wasn't in the mood tonight. I didn't feel generous. I wasn't patient. Let me be honest with you. See, this is one thing that we have to understand, that even when Yahweh showed up to speak to Moses in the burning bush, it was not supernatural that the bush combusted and caught fire. That happened all the time. What became supernatural is whenever Moses allowed himself to hear the whisper in that that natural occurrence. When you and I begin to walk in a degree of proximity that we're able to hear the whisper in our everyday lives, your worlds will change. So, so we're there. I get her in the car because I'm getting ready to speed off. And, and I just didn't want him to see me. He yells out my name, Mr. Parker. Buggy, T-Bone, is that you? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Mr. Parker. Hey, at first, too, I do have to say, Tina reminded me of this, um, that they called us the Parkers. Because I have two last names, Parker Thomaston. So Parker is my first name. It's my maiden name, my mother's maiden name. And so she gave that to me because she was an only child as a daughter to carry the name along. So we get it all the time. People ask me for my name. I'm like, Parker. They're like, okay, last name or first name. And I'm like, uh, Parker. Last name is Thomaston. So whatever. So he yells Mr. Parker across from the parking lot. I said, Abel, what do you need? At this time, he's up in front of me. I'm, I'm not feeling generous. He said, we need some pots and pans. We're staying at this little hotel. It's got a little cooking area. I'm like, my God, man, it's near Christmas time. We're newly married. We don't have pots and pans. It'd be nice for us to have a good set ourselves. And so, so we go in. I buy him some pots and pans. We find him. He said, can you bring these to our hotel room and drop it off? It would be heavy for me to to carry across, it's, you know, just before Christmas. I said, sure, man, I'll be happy to do that. Anything else I can do for you? Do you need a back scratch or a foot massage? You know, it's like, I'm just, this is real talk, okay? This isn't the glorified story that if you don't meet your Prince Charming, they're not the one. Like, this is real life. And so we get there, we do that. And he says, uh, I said, man, I'll be happy to do it. So we get in put the pots and pans back in the back of our SUV. We get ready to drive off. And he said, one more thing. God told me to say congratulations on your baby boy. I didn't get to tell you this part. I think Emmy threw up or something. Got, got gagged up on her thing. And <laughs> Sissy was like in there taking care of her. So sweet. Emmy wasn't feeling good. I was beginning to tell you this story. He said, congratulations on your baby boy. And I said, what did you say? Like, it offended my heart that he would say that to me because this wasn't something to be said lightly. This was something that we have desired for over three years of marriage. And he said, congratulations on your baby boy. We got in that car and we wept and we wept and we wept. My family didn't know. Her family didn't know. My friends didn't know. Her friends didn't know. Our friends didn't know. There was no one that we had told. We had rarely talked about it because of how painful it was to even bring up the subject. And so we get in here. Fast forward, I begin to put a time frame on Yahweh's word. I may be the only one in this room that's ever done that. But it couldn't happen quick enough. So I added in the next nine months, MVP over here says, no, he didn't give us a time frame. We just have to trust. That's right. And I'm like, no, it's nine months. That brought up two more months of disappointment where she took a pregnancy test 
when I say we had been trying, like, so every month we were faced with that negative news, not pregnant, not pregnant, not pregnant. When you begin to entertain voices that conflict the promises of Yahweh in your life, there comes a time when you will begin to agree with those things. And so we begin to take on an identity. We begin to take on garments that were not ever even written in our testimony scrolls because I had entertained those voices and thought that every time we got that news, it was another witness. It was another confirmation, and it wasn't. Yahweh was using this to draw us closer to Him. Say that I can't allow you to parent these four world changers until your hearts have been made whole. So that process began to work in us. I shared something with uh, Pops over here the other night, and I said the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. And, and what's fascinating about that is Yahweh is not bound by time. So don't begin to measure. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it will not happen. It just means that you need to lean into Him until it does. Stand firm upon His Word, upon His promises that He's made to you. So we go through the next two months were the most difficult that we had ever encountered. And the reason why is because we knew we had a promise of children and we still didn't have children. And the pregnancy tests were still confirming that truth in our lives. So they call for an offering, a first fruits offering. We had saved up every penny, both of them, that we had to our names <laughs> at the time. And we were going to give that in an offering for first fruits because Apostle Aaron had called for that. He said, but I want you to be specific this time. I don't want you to just give without expectation. I want you to steward over this almost as a, a mother hen will steward over and just incubate those, those eggs of whatever this promise is. And I felt guilty, honestly. Like, an expectation giving with strings attached? What does this look like? And he said, it looks like maturity, Parker. When, when you begin to deem yourself unworthy of what Yahweh has designed for you to possess... It just proves that you're not as mature as you should be to receive what he's designed for you to possess. Man, that's good. That's so good. So we leaned into that thing, man. We, we knew that this was sowing for our children in our lives. And as we begin to do that, we, uh, we felt the need shortly before that we needed to double it. And we didn't have it. Like we were making a cash advance on a paycheck coming up. And I was going to find like... You know, it was one of those things. Like, we didn't have it. Like, we were given everything we had, and I thought that was enough. Come on. It might have been the one might, but dadgum. If I had two, I would have given two. Don't right. ask me to double it. And so I had to deal with that in my heart. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? And time and time again, Yahweh will call you to do uncomfortable things because we have a, an improper definition of what comfort is. It's, I heard Pop say this years ago. I've never forgotten it. He said that the issue is that the Holy Spirit was sent to be our comforter. And so we're not asking Yahweh to bring us out of our comfort zone. We're asking Him to redefine what comfort is. He said, to me, sickness and poverty are uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Yes. To me, disease and, and failure and disappointment and distance are all uncomfortable. So, so it's not, Yahweh, make me uncomfortable. 
It's I want, I want comfort redefined and I want to rest right in the middle of it. That's right. That's right. And so, so we do this, we give this, we double up the offering. There's a family there from Honduras that came in uh, just to be there for the weekend. I don't even believe they ministered. And they caught us in the parking lot on the way out after the service and said, hey, we heard that you guys had a desire for children. We were in that position and we just want to know if we can pray for you. Like, my God, yeah, everybody's prayed for us. Nothing's changed. Can I be honest? Come on, come on. This is where I was dealing, man. I'm not grand hoorah over here who's just so hyped up on faith that I knew that that prayer is what was going to change our situation. I was offended. And I'm like, well, who told you that we wanted children? I shared that in confidence. But it was the word of Yahweh that was setting us up. Because he goes before us to prepare the way. Going back to this thing, I forgot about this. We go back to the hotel. We give them the room number. Sir, that room's been vacant for three weeks. We haven't had anybody stay in that room. So, well, my God, please keep these pots and pans. And if you see, I describe the individual, no. We begin to believe, and, and I truthfully believe this. You can say how you feel, but... Um, but we are just, we live in a degree of the supernatural, our family does, yeah. where things are real to us. That's right. And I believe that Abel is an angel that still represents my family. And, and Abel goes before us to prepare our hearts for the possessions that Yahweh has prepared for us to hold. Another, another quote by Apostle Ball, he said, I will continue to persevere until I hold in my hand the dreams I've held in my heart. And there is an exchange of a transaction that takes place when Yahweh will begin to shift things from your heart into your hand. It's not just something to be talked about. It's not just something to be... This is something to, to live in the midst of. The greatest degree of nearness that we have to Yahweh is within. The greatest degree. It's the heart cry of Yeshua in John 17. Father, I pray that they know that I am in you and you are in me and we are in them and they are in us. That's the heart cry, that we know that when you're within, you're surrounded on all sides. You have no choice but to be able to walk in the fullness of who, who he is. So, so we pray, come through. Man, we had a closet full of boy clothes and girl clothes, no kids. <laughs> my granddad graduated from Auburn, one of the most special individuals in my life. And, um, and so naturally, that's why we're Auburn fans and not Alabama fans, um, you know, but but we had this little Auburn jersey that was like newborn size. And I'll never forget, we were in a rented house on Gellard Drive. And uh, Becky comes in and wakes me up that morning with a little teddy bear that had the Auburn jersey and a pregnancy test and said, you're going to be a daddy. <laughs> and man, I'm telling you to this day. Man, I look at these kids. Man, I look around this room and I see promises that Yahweh desires to to be able to go from your hearts to your hands. And it doesn't matter if you're the youngest individual in this room or you're the oldest individual in this room. I'm telling you, continue to lean into His goodness for you. He does not withhold Come on. Come on. 
He does not withhold. It's not a consequence of a bad decision. It's, it's not something that you've done wrong. He doesn't even create these opportunities, but He's going to use them to draw you closer. Man, we've got to get past. We've, we've got to get past this thought process that He punishes us because we're not good enough. And man, I thought, that I didn't have kids because I was not enough of a man to be a father. We walked in. We had to go to a high risk, a high risk uh, doctor while she was pregnant with Eli. And we walk in, and our very first appointment, she says, "We've got to send you for an emergency ultrasound because there are some irregularities in the development of your child." And we walk out of the room and I'm defeated. Like this is exactly what they told us would happen. And there was a righteous indignation that came up on the inside of me that said, I refuse to accept this. I laid my hands on her womb and began to pray over her and pray over Eli. Eight pounds, three ounces, 22 inches long. December 14th, 2011 at 5.36 p.m. This dude was born healthy, as big as Becky. That's right. <laughs> it ain't hard to beat five foot, 95 pounds. My man came out challenging her, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but it, it was so special. And here we are with four. She had, you know, she had home births with the other three. Just because we didn't want to entertain. And, and you trust the peace that you have in your hearts. But man, this thing about us, and, and her name is Amelia Hope. Part of uh, why I'm sharing that story is to set it up for this. And it's because as we were here, and I feel hope filling this room, we had several miscarriages along the way. And man, those things can break your heart. I never knew that you could love someone so much that you've never met. And, and we would pray for people and with people that had encountered those. But man, when, it, when you experience that, it is one of the worst feelings on this planet. And my family was there for me, but I expected them to be. Apostle Aaron knew that pecan pies from Dreamland Barbecue in Mobile were my favorite thing. He was the first one to call me. My mom came over and picked up the kids, and she took them. And uh, as we're sitting there, the doorbell rings, and I hear something, somebody drive off. And Apostle Aaron sent me a text, said, I didn't want to disturb you, Parker. I just want you to know how much, Miss Robbie, and I love you and Becky. We're praying for you. I dropped off a pecan pie on the front porch. He said, you may not even want to eat it. Please don't even feel pressured to. And... um. And our daughter that we lost um, during that moment, we had named Charlie Hope. And, uh, and she was, you know, our daughter. And um, in the middle of that, man, I faced probably, probably the, the most difficult time that I've ever experienced in my life. And, um, 
And in the midst of that, Yahweh said that you are the father of hope. And like many words that I had received, it wasn't... (laughs) It wasn't one of those things that that I was um, encouraged about. It was one of those things that just pissed me off. How could you call me the father of hope and renege on a promise that you've given me? So I felt like that was a moment like Gideon threshing wheat in the wine press. And Yahweh still called him a mighty man of valor. The evidence wasn't there, but the identification was. And the way that that identification is made manifest in our lives is by us not despising the process. And Yahweh may call many of you in this room the father of hope or the mother of hope. He may call you a mighty man of valor or a mighty woman of valor. And you may be so turned around in your identity that you don't even know what to do where you are. And I just release a grace for you to receive hope in this moment. That you would remember these words. That you have permission to function in the fullness of who Yahweh has created for you to be. This is um, it's something, you know, special to me. Because, you know, as we, as we look at this, you know, in Proverbs thirteen twelve, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hopelessness is is destructive. And the only answer to that is the hope and the life and the light of Yahweh. But it is difficult for you to project something that you feel you are not in possession of. And I feel like this is the difference between a third and a fourth dimension. Is I was capable of identifying hope, but man, I had no idea how to function from within it. And Yahweh's saying, if I am calling you the father of hope, I've got to mend your heart and allow you to trust in me to a degree that you can allow the overflow of this, not just preach from the identification of something. Yahweh desires for us to carry something in such a great measure that we don't limit what we carry to being able to pour a little bit out and then having to be filled up again. It is a constant overflow is the way that it was intended to be. Man, I used to get drained in ministry and I would speak often and pour my heart out and it was like, oh man, I've got to go in and recover because that was so deep. And it's like, babe, right now it feels like those little addicted gamblers, my father-in-law, <laughs> that drops them coins in the, the quarter pusher. <laughs> and it's just like, whatever comes out. <laughs> I like to pick on my father-in-law. He's one of the most amazing men that I know as well. But he loves those quarter machines. My man will spend $20 to win a $1.50. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so this thing with hope. I want to say, you know, that, that this is, is, is where we are. And it's when you, when, you, when you fail to share your story, you rob other people from the opportunity of receiving grace. Wow, come on, yeah. 
But we become instigators of breakthrough when we share testimonies of Yahweh's goodness in our lives. I'm not sharing this to try to make you emotional. I'm sharing this with you to say that, that you may be identified as holding someone or something right now and your hands feel empty. And I want to tell you that you're still standing on His Word. One of the big things in sports right now, competitive sports, with a lot of the young kids is standing on business, right? It's the fact that you want to, they hate when I use like, you know, this new stuff. Eber looked over at Eli like, oh God, he said standing on, he's going to do the little motion, standing on business. No, I won't do it, Eber, I'm sorry. It's that we stand on Yahweh's promises because, because what happens is in that shaking, we have to be unshakable. But it doesn't mean that everything you're carrying has to be unshakable. That's the beauty of the shaking. It means that you are unshakable. And everything that can't withstand the storm would be shaken. So I want to jump into a few things here in um, Colossians 1. And that was the longest introduction I think that I've ever given. But man, I'm telling you, I feel, I feel this in my heart. Um, Colossians 1, 26 and 27 in the Passion Translation says this, There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Verse 27 says, Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it. That's so good. So good, man. In in the mirror translation, I don't read this often, but I love you know, I I love Dutois' commentary on this, so I want to share this with you. And most people don't have the mirror, so if you guys don't have that, it's fine. But it says, mankind's most sought-after request, this mystery which has remained elusive and concealed for ages and generations is now fully realized in our redeemed innocence. Within us, God is delighted to exhibit the priceless treasure of this glorious unveiling of Christ indwelling in order that every person on the planet, whoever they are, may now come to the greatest discovery of all time and recognize Christ in them as in a mirror. He is the desire of the nations and completes their every expectation. He is not hiding in history or in outer space, nor in the future, neither in pages of Scripture. He is merely mirrored there to be unveiled within you. And this is huge. For what God was now able to disclose in the saints is immediately equally relevant in the nations. Christ in the nations is the hope of glory. This is the mystery of ages, and this is what we were waiting for all along. So Christ in you is the hope of glory. And this hope, is it's not just a positive wish. It is a confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength is in His own faithfulness. It isn't that we just hope this. It's a confident expectation. And the promise of that rests in His faithfulness, not ours. I used to think that everything that he would give me was a consequence of, of my performance. And I'm telling you, it isn't. It isn't. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, 
And um, I shared this. This is one thing that I really just wanted to review because I believe that wholeness of your heart is, is also something that Yahweh just wants to remind you of tonight. Jeremiah 29, 13 in the New King James Version says this, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And, and I want to show you what happens when we fail to possess the mysteries that Yahweh has given us. It means that we're going to translate these things in order to understand them based on our own experiences. So I thought this meant if you seek me when you search for me, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. Because this word seek in Hebrew is bakash, which really means an implication of striving after. But in this translation, in the Strong's, it's a Hebrew word called matzah, which means to come forth. And, and I've spent a majority of my life really under the implication and assumption that what Jeremiah has spoke of here means that, that, that this is going to be a captive of our own efforts. That if you seek hard enough and you work hard enough and you do the right things, then ultimately you're going to find who Yahweh is. But really, it's the means, beholding is the means of our becoming. So it is the means that as we allow ourselves to be who Yahweh has created for us to be, this wholeness of our heart will simply come forth. And what I spoke on, I guess this may have been October, September, something like that at the homestead in Mobile, was the story of the pool of Bethesda where the angel would come down and trouble the waters. And the people that were, that were blind and paralyzed and, and lame were, were subject to their own efforts to get to the pool. But Yeshua came to a man and said, I'm just going to show you that this is not contingent upon your own ability to move and your own ability to see. It's all grace. And I can tell you that through the darkest and most difficult times in my life, he has come and restored wholeness to my heart by simply saying, it's not because you made the right decision. It's not because you did this. It's not because you didn't open the door for this. It's just because you found a way to get near to me. And whenever I show up, everything changes. Yeah, that's, right. that's what I begin to hear tonight is, is we came in the door Man, I was honestly a little embarrassed because I thought that like we were going to kick off at 6 o'clock and you guys are like overhead in worship. And I was like, man, here we go. But I heard them say, uh, I don't care what it looks like. Come in like a fire. Come in like a flood. I don't care what it looks like. I'm so in love. And, and it was the fact that, man, when he enters the room, everything changes. And, and, and you can have expectations, but if you're looking for a fire and a flood shows up, you're going to miss it. And if you're looking for a flood and the fire comes up, I am the least spontaneous person probably in this room. We might, we might be competing for that because he shared a little bit about how he's wired. Look, like I, especially prior to kids, I don't like surprises. They upset me. Don't, don't send somebody down for my birthday <laughs> from Ohio to surprise me as much as I love you. <laughs> Come on, babe. You'll probably be there anyway. <laughs> It'll be one of your 10 trips for the year, man. And, uh, but, but I, you know, I'm not that way. But man, when you get into the flow of the Spirit, this has been challenging in such a good way for me 
because I see that it's, it's not about where I feel like I'm directed. You just throw up the sails. That's right. And you allow that wind to navigate you through the, through the river. And where the wind blows is where I want to go. That's where I want to be. It doesn't matter what I have. Man, look, this, I can tell tonight that Abba is smiling upon our gathering tonight. But I prepared really five and a half different messages to share with y'all that I've never spoken before and I'll never speak again. This one is special because I just said, like, I want to be prepared for the fire or the flood or the bread or the wine. This, this gathering is not about me. Man, I am the least important person in this room tonight. But I, I want you to be drawn closer to Him through our encounter and our time together. I don't want you to see me and, and, and love my heart. I want you to see me and love His heart. Insight is a consequence of the mind and revelation is always a consequence of the heart. And my desire is not that you honor me or respect me. It's that I want the Father revealed through me. I want Him to become more real to you than you've ever experienced. So here tonight, I really just want to encourage you. This is something I wrote in my notes to open up your heart and allow Abba to put His finger upon every part of you that needs His attention. I'm realizing that the fragmented places of my heart had to be healed in order for me to truly come forth. And I want to encourage you by saying that the fragmented places of your heart must be healed in order for you to truly come forth. I, um, I feel like Yahweh is completely satisfied with what's taking place here tonight. But I, I do want to share one more thing, if that's okay. And um, I know it's, it's funny when you hear a pastor say they're about to wrap up. That's like... <laughs> This will probably be the biggest lie that I've told you. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting on that amen, sissy. But <laughs> there it is, there it is. That's what I was waiting on. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so in Acts chapter 16, I'm going to kind of blow through parts of this. But I, I feel like, man, I thought this story was significant. And I pulled it out of my notes. And I felt like Yahweh put it back in. And I pulled it out of my notes three different times. And uh, this morning at 3.44 a.m., I rolled over. And I honestly don't know why that's significant. I didn't really lean into that. But it's just the fact that I sleep good. I'm not one of these guys that you're going to find waking up in the middle of the night with a vision of an open heaven. I'll catch that at about 9.30 after we get the kids locked in, ready for school. He can speak to me. If he's not bound by time, don't bound me either. I, I'm, when my head hits that pillow, babe, I'm out till, till the next morning. So, But I woke up at 3.44 and this was stirring in my heart. And it's a passage that you're all probably very familiar with about Paul and Silas. Um, but here I'm just going to going to start this in verse 18. There was a young lady that was kind of taunting them. It says, she did this for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to her, to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour, verse 19. But when her masters saw their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to their authorities. One thing I find fascinating about this is there has always been a separation between the church and the marketplace. And I believe it was never intended to be. 
I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I was the golden child for a small wireless communications company called Verizon Wireless. Um, at the age of 21, I had been general manager of a Verizon store for four years. You do the math. Full-time college student, managing a Verizon store. The average age of my employees was 41 years old, and I had 36 of them. Full service and repair center. We were the most successful store in the southeastern region. We outperformed Atlanta and Tallahassee markets in Pensacola, Florida. It was a big deal. I was the guy coming up $85,000 a year as a 21-year-old kid with no children. It's just, I'm the guy. Like, they're grooming me to become district manager, to become regional manager. I, I won an award called Pinnacle Club that was handed out to the top five managers in the United States. Pensacola, Florida. Here it comes. What stunk was the year prior, they, they had a, you and a plus one on an all-expense trip to Hawaii. For me, they flew the CEO of the company, Dan Hesse at the time, in to take me to dinner and give me this little crystal statue. Like, dude, y'all need to get your act together. This is ridiculous. I'm failing the next audit. I'm going to get that trip to Hawaii unrighteously. No, I'm kidding. I'm not, not, not doing that. But I'm telling you, like, business for me, it was just easy. I love people. I genuinely care about their well-being. And that goes a long way when you're in leadership. When you can open up your heart and say, you've got to prove me wrong. And I'm telling you, that also creates a lot of trust because there were a lot of issues. At this time, I'm working for Sprint Wireless when a lot of those accolades, I didn't make that transition. Um, Becky and I are living in Fairhope. And... um, And I'm just jumping in this thing, but I thought that for me to be in ministry, I would have to exit the marketplace. And I wish I would have known now what I knew back then. I'd honestly be a lot richer. (laughs) If I could have found out how to just crossbreed and be a hybrid that, you know, continues to pump it out, rule the world, and and preach the gospel, you know. And, um, and, and so I lived that in my life, and it was evident because Yahweh's hand has always been upon my life. I've had favor in just uh, incredible ways. But as I was doing that, man, I wouldn't trade where we are right now. I've had people come back and offer me positions in business, and I have zero interest, regardless of the dollar amount. Like, man, I've got this young lady and these four kids that you cannot put a dollar sign on. But I'm telling you that Yahweh desires for us to be blessed. Yes. He desires for you and I to be blessed. But here in this passage, it said um, that they drug them, they drug them into the marketplace. And it was because there was an improper relation between business and church. And so Paul and Silas, it said that Luke and Timothy escaped. <laughs> Cowards. <laughs> Right? Like, I, I'm not even going to read out of Luke the whole, for the whole year. No, I'm kidding. I'm so offended in my heart that he wouldn't go in prison with Paul and Silas. But, but, but this, this is the thing, is that this created confusion. And when you think that you have to have a platform and a microphone and a pulpit to be a successful minister, I feel like this is Paul and Silas being drugged into the marketplace, being accused of creating a misconception. 
being accused of creating confusion in this place. And so they drug them here. Um, and and um, it said that, that this is what they did. These, these men, they said, being Jews, were exceedingly troubled in our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they laid many stripes on them, then they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Verse 24 said, Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. This is the thing for me. Charles Ellicott, in his commentary, he claims that in this moment, the master's business and the evil spirit of divination passed away together. But when they brought the freedom, this is when the Romans accused them of being troublesome and creating confusion. So they brought them before, they tried them, and they tried them first by removing their garments. Because first what happened is they wanted to allow their identity to be stripped of who they claimed to be. This is the first step. And and I'm, I'm telling you this hopefully in order to give some direction of how to navigate what this cleaning of the slate looks like. Because you can get excited about that. But, but this is really a dismantling of many things that you've attached your heart to. So as they drug them into the marketplace, before they ever threw them into prison, they beat them before they ever beat them, they first removed their, their garments. Because the first step is that that identity will be challenged. And people are going to look at you and say, you're not who you claimed yourself to be. Or all you're doing is bringing confusion into our marketplace, into our city. And so they're going to strip you of your identity. The second thing was that, that they, they, um, they recognized that that was not going to break them. And so the, the removing of the garments, the public humiliation, set them up to be beaten. Once they were allowed to be beaten, that didn't break them. That would have been punishment enough in most cases historically. Yes. The humiliation was number one. If that would have broken them, boom, we move on to the beating. If they survive the beating then we have another step, which is prison. But that should have been enough. That should have been punishment enough. I, I, I want to just forewarn you and say that if your identity is challenged and they try to remove your garments and say you're not who you claim to be, prove them wrong. But it's not about proving them wrong for the sake of them being your focus. Never do it with your heart posture in that place. That proving them wrong is that your eyes remain fixed. Because if Christ in you is the hope of glory, there is a mirroring that must take place in that placement in position of remaining face to face with Abba. But when your eyes are fixed, I'm telling you, you know it's going to be okay. That, that is nonverbal communication that is just affirming. Sometimes when I feel troubled or taken back, man, if I can catch eyes with Becky, it settles my heart. Yeah. And it's not just because of how amazing she is. It's because of how amazing the thing is that she carries. That peace lets me know, oh, we're going to be all right. 
We're going to be all right. But as this slate is being cleaned, I, I felt like this was a three-step process that it may look like your identities could be challenged. I'm not trying to prophesy doom and gloom. I just I feel this only by the Holy Spirit. And I pray that it brings clarity in how to navigate these waters. The second thing is beaten. That after they were stripped, they were beaten with rods. That isn't going to break them. Prove them wrong. They go into prison. My God, what would I have done had I encountered this? The inner part of prison, your feet are shackled, you're in there. And then in verse 25, they made a choice. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were also listening to them. So look at what they're doing. Look at what Paul and Silas chose to do in this moment. They didn't question God. They didn't tell their spouses that their pets' heads were falling off. They didn't remain untroubled. They didn't change their identity. They didn't say, we knew this was coming. They didn't, they didn't complain about what was going on. They were singing praises and hymns. They were unshaken. They were unshaken. Verse 26 says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened up, and every chain was loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, had drawn his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And, and I just want to say that when you feel like the foundations are being shaken, know that it's not meant for your destruction. It's just meant to open up doors. This is what that four represents in this year. Is this shaking is not here to destroy you. It's here to open up doors. And in many ways, I pray that you have already experienced the challenge of your identity, the humiliation of that, the beating of you. Of, of just public, just brutal, and then the feeling like you are, you are confined in a particular way. And I want to say that as you continue to remain faithful and keep your eyes fixed and you choose to sing hymns and praises to the Father, you are unshaken. And now the shaking, the shakening is taking place. The foundations were shaken and it opened up every door in the prison. This shaking is not meant for your destruction. It's meant to open up the doors that you are called to be able to walk in and out of. It is opening up an opportunity for you to function from a place of, of provision in your lives that is greater than anything that you could have imagined. I consider that the troublings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed. It doesn't matter. Pops, man, my life is a message of his words. I remember 10, my God, it hasn't been 10, 12, 11 years ago, he said something, I think he was even at the ramp, but he said, when the promises of Yahweh are fulfilled in your lives, the process becomes irrelevant. And it doesn't mean that we dishonor the process, it just means that it can't be comparable. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it costs yes. to get here, it doesn't matter what it costs to stay here. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to look back and say, my God, it was silly for me to think that things were tough back then. <laughs> because what happens in that process is the foundations are being shaken and doors are being unlocked on your behalf. 
in the areas of your heart, in your spirit, in your mind that you feel like you were confined to are, are going to release a greater degree of liberty and freedom than you ever knew was possible. So, he says, do yourself no harm. We are all here. Verse 29 says, he called for a light and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out saying, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said in verse 31, believe on the Lord Yeshua the Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, to all who were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and the family were baptized. And now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced having believed in God with all of his household. And I just want to say that Yahweh is so good and he's so faithful that even through the darkest times of your life, he's going to create a party. And I'm not here to establish hope in this house to a degree that you feel encouraged. I want to create and establish a quiet confidence that becomes a loud confidence. That hope is on in your corner. Hope is with you, walking with you every step of the way. And this party is being established. And the guard went from really drawing his sword and, and contemplating taking his own life to asking, what must I do to be saved? This is the gospel. And I believe that the light that you carry here in Streetsboro is designed to be something so great that it doesn't matter how far it is. Even the fact that the guard came to their opening without a light. <laughs> they were the light that he was drawn to. You are the light that this city has been drawn to. And, and this party is not something that I am prophesying to the house of the North Gate. I'm just identifying that it's already taking place. And I pray that the beauty of what you are experiencing and encountering never becomes common to you. May it never become something that you take for granted. May it never become just snow. Let it be the most beautiful frozen H2O that you have ever seen in your life. Somebody tonight, even as we were in worship, it may have been you, Pops, that said um, that it's not about the volume, something about the volume. What's fascinating to me about frequencies is the same frequency from different directions can have two separate consequences. So when a frequency is released... If a frequency is released from the same direction at the same rate of revolutions per second, we call those hertz, the way that that's measured, it brings amplification. So they are synchronized, and as those sound waves are synchronized, I'm not trying to get weird and geeky on you. As those, as those sound waves are synchronized, it creates amplification, and so the sound naturally is projected at a louder tone, not frequency, but a tone than, than what it was before because it doesn't change the movement of what's being released. It just changes the way that it's perceived. However, that same frequency released in an opposite direction is how they use noise cancellation. That technology is called a disrupting frequency. This is why your position is important. This is why spiritual authority is important. This is why covering is important. Because Yahweh's not just so, so fascinated by what we release, but also where we're releasing it from. 
And it's not just a natural posture, but it's a spiritual posture of our hearts as well. And I believe that the more that we are in the right position, releasing the appropriate sound, the greater amplification it's going to carry. And the more that it's going to be heard, and the more it's going to be recognized. And I feel like in many ways, as Yahweh shakes foundation to create room for growth, He's just shaking out what might have disrupted the very sound that He desires to release. So lean into it. Everything, Romans 8.28. Guys, could we bring that up on the, in the Passion Translation? I should know it by heart. This is the, the mantra of Legacy Academy. And, uh, and I read it every morning and read it to our students there. But in Romans 8.28, it talks about how everything is woven together. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Everything works for your good. One of the greatest revelations that I'm receiving out of this is, number one, I'm, re- I'm realizing how good he is, and number two, I'm reali- real- realizing how much I'm loved. Man, and I'm telling you, once we begin to walk in a confidence that you are his favorite, I am his favorite, it's even funny. You know, we used to have this little competition where we'd say, I'm, I know I'm Yahweh's favorite, and people would fight it. And, and I would even be one of those. And, and now I'm so secure that I love hearing it. It doesn't feel challenging to me that, oh, no, you're not. You're his second favorite, but I'm his favorite. No, I want everyone that I come in contact to feel that way because Yahweh feels that way about you. And we carry the nature of his heart. And when you realize how much he loves you, man, I'm telling you, you hold your head a little higher. You carry yourself differently. There's an expectation of victory in your lives. Pops prophesied over the the New Year's reunion gathering that we're going from prevent defense to the victory formation. And I want to tell you that that kneel has never looked so good as I've seen it tonight. It's victory formation. You don't have to keep the walls up. Stop feeling like you have to defend him. Stop feeling like you have to defend yourselves. Remain seated at rest in a place of peace. You are the quarterback, kneeling down, holding the ball. All you're waiting is for that clock to expire. Scoreboard. That's what I used to yell when somebody might strike me out or get me out. And we were up, scoreboard. Bro, you might have beat me, but you can't beat us. Come on. And I feel like we're in the room tonight with a, a group of mighty men and women who say, you might have beat me a time or two, but you can't beat us. We're locking our arms together. We're going to come back bigger, stronger, and make a, a splash greater than anything you've ever seen. Because this sound will all be coming from the right position carrying a frequency that is just amplified and it cannot be ignored. I'll finish with this. I'm going to skip down to verse 40. It says, So they went out of the prison. I'm in uh, Acts chapter 16 still. 
Um, So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. And so I want to say that what we're we're being delivered out of should never be more valuable than what we're being delivered into. I kind of stumbled as I delivered that. What you're being delivered out of should never be more valuable than what you're being delivered into. If the testimony of Yeshua was the spirit of prophecy, it was the fact that his whole life projected a truth that what's before you is greater than what's behind you. His life was not a witness of everything that he had done. His life was a witness of everything he was doing. And it's special. It's special to be able to to celebrate the testimonies. But those testimonies are meant to encourage one another. But there are prophecies that you're meant to release of the coming days. And those prophecies are filled with hope. Why is it important that they went to the house of Lydia? Well, because this was, would ultimately become the first Christian church in the land of Greece. The house of Lydia. Coming out of this, exactly what they went into. Coming out of prison into glorious liberty. Apostle Damon talks about the one-step process. <laughs> out of darkness into marvelous light. That's what it's about. But it's about where we are headed and what we're walking into, what we're stepping into here. And so I just, I really, you know, I feel like this is it. Man, I'm sorry I gave y'all an hour and a half story time and introduction and 15 minutes of meat. But, uh, but I, I hope that this has been encouraging to you. And I, I just want to release a grace. Can I pray over you tonight? Um, I just want to release, Abba, we thank you first of all. We are, we are positioned here in a place of gratitude. And we are so grateful for the abundance of your word and your spirit in our lives. I thank you for the faithfulness of this mighty congregation, this mighty family in Streetsboro. And ultimately, Yahweh, I thank you that every time we bring our empty jars, you fill them up. That's right. Every time we bring our empty jars, you fill them up. And I just declare tonight that there be a grace of an infilling of more of your presence, more of the Holy Spirit in our lives that you would stir the wild side of who we are. Father, I thank you that you are calling us into a place where as we are unshakable, you allow everything that we're connected to to be shaken. Just for the sake that everything that you place in our possessions will be things that we can carry for the rest of our lives. I thank you for families that are being joined in this place that will be carried for the rest of our lives. I thank you for the degree of honor that has been shown and continues to be shown in this people. And I just declare that every need that they have, Father, that you would see that in secret and reward it openly. Every need would be provided for. Father, the secret is not for us to come before you and and continue to just negotiate our needs. It's the fact that we just show up, we close the door, and we pull out our jars. And you continue to fill those in ways that are are more prevalent and more, more valuable than anything we could have experienced. But I thank you for the hope that rests upon this house tonight. I thank you for the hope that will reside in the north gate of Streetsboro, Ohio, and I declare that this is a city set on a hill whose light cannot be hidden. 
Because there is a shining coming from these burning ones that cannot be ignored. I thank you that you surround us. I thank you that you surround these families tonight, Father. And I just ask that you would continue to guard and protect. Don't allow your walls to become walls that we put up in our hearts. We trust you. Arise and shine for your light has come. Arise and shine for your light has come. Greater grace for us to be able to walk in the fullness of who you've created for for us to be, Yahweh. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for showing up. We thank you for entering this room every time we gather together. I thank you for entering our hearts. I thank you for entering the, uh, the doors of our homes the doors of our jobs, the places that we we fill up fuel, that that light that we carry would be recognizable. And we realize, Father, that, that the testimony that you have for us is not what we've been through, but what we're stepping into. Our greatest days are ahead and our greatest days are now. Yahweh, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this time together. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen. Sir. Yes, sir. As we begin to close here, I do not believe Yahweh is quite finished. Just for some confirmation in the room and people watching, by the way, of live stream. This is three weeks now in a row. Yahweh has come in and released. We're in transition. And it's going to be okay. Apostle Damon said it like this on the phone call with me and Mama T. He said, it's a reset into a relaunch. And I love how you said he's cleaning the slate. It's a reset. Because what happened is we didn't do anything wrong. The last 10 years of what we have done in ministry in this region, we've not done anything wrong. It was actually preparation for. And so in that, for us to be what I said last week, when when Reformation comes, just sit up for a second, Sissy. We need to prepare ourselves. All the prophets, hold this. have prophesied for the last 30 years that I have been around Christianity. Reformation, reformation. The church ain't ready for it. Because the first glimpse of it actually looks out of order. The order to everything in this room, the formation of everything in this room looks right. So when reformation comes... The biggest announcement will be it doesn't fit. It doesn't belong. It doesn't look like what we've done. And we've had glimpses of it from not doing redback hymnals and not reading out of the King James Version. And do you know what all of this has been exactly what Mr. Parker told us today? It's been process. And so now the biggest piece is being prepared. And it's our heart. Little nuggets have come to our mind and to our eyes 
and to our ears. But it was the heart that he was after the whole time. And the reformation, the movement of the body of Christ that will look so different from everything else that we know, that we have built churches, literally there's 12 in this city, within a minute of each other. Are those wrong? They're not wrong. They're not wrong at all. It was a part of the journey to get us to here, to get us back to the original intent, that it was about a heart the whole time. It was about relationship. So I love that Mr. Parker comes in and begins to share things. And I want you to look at me. He shared things that I pray about. I pray about my children's dating life. I pray about your children's dating life. And I love what he said. Just because they can do it doesn't mean that they should do it. I love how in Legacy Academy... There was one whole service that was about dating and engagement. Remember that that chapel service? Because it's a big deal. How many of us did something growing up as teenagers, dated people that we probably should not have had any business being intimate in any kind of way with? I'm not just talking about in a physical sense. I'm talking about dreams, whispers. Raise your hand, parents then why would we allow our children to do something that we know is absolutely wrong? What If you raised your hand and you're even entertaining it, why would you allow your child to go down that same road? It's the reasoning. We start reasoning things. So he starts just literally delivering things. One, it's good to be relational. Now we know their story. We know them. I actually do that when I go in and preach places. If it's the first time I go in and preach, I share my testimony so they know where I'm coming from. So you're not just getting just a message from a preacher. You're starting to get to understand an individual. That's perfect articulation. There's people in this room that we need to understand that even not even just for teenagers, but I'm thinking about even the singles in the room that could be 20, 30, 40 years old going, when am I going to get married? It's, it's just process. It's coming. Hands full of hope. So I love that he went into that revelation of dating and then he goes into, he has no idea. The people in this room who want children watching live stream want children you have no idea how much your story resonates with families in this room that probably sit in here today and go it's never going to happen and then I actually watch your son go into intercession as you begin to tell the story of his baby sister so this is a house of legacy so your father delivers the word but you're carrying something even there are mommies and daddies in this room that need something that you're carrying, son. And so, this is a transgenerational house. So as the papa of this house and Uncle Jimmy to you, I'm asking you, son, what you carry that's been given to you from mommy and daddy. Will you pray for some people in here? 
Will you do that for me, buddy? Will you come hold my hand? Come on, Northland. Let's just begin to pray. Because I felt the power of God come on you, son. This is Mike and Aaron. Kevin and Skyler and Aaron, will you come here? Becky and Parker, will you come here? Will you lay hands on this man of God? They have a promise of one more baby, son. And for the last several years, they've been trying. And doctors don't know why it can't happen. But the love you have that you see your sister promise of hope that we've held in our hands the Clendenin family will hold hope in their hands come on Northgate come on come on yeah we're believing with you you're carrying faith son you're carrying hope Abba, we're not asking tonight. We're thanking you. That in your time frame, Father, you see when they will hold hope in their hands. In your time frame. But until they hold hope, let them know how much they're loved. Let them know how much they're loved. Hope's already coming. He's wanting to make that heart whole. Because hope's going to be surrounded by love in this Clendenin home. This home's going to be stronger than it's ever been. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, that's, come on, Northgate. You know that's why we felt what we felt when he started beginning declaring about babies. You know there's some mommies and daddies in this room. And holding a child is the tangible hope that we can hold any promise. If we can hold the miracle of a baby, we can hold any promise. You can hold a a house. You can hold a business. You can hold a miracle and healing. If you can hold a child, you can hold anything. If you can hold a child... You can hold anything. Come on, even by the way of live stream, if you can hold a baby, you can hold anything. Man, I feel the glory of God in this place. Come with me, buddy. This is Mr. Mike and Mr. Jim. I want you to hold hands. Yeah, just lay your hands right on their hands, son. Yeah. care how cliche somebody might make this scene if Sarah can have a baby at 99 I don't Jen I don't care how old you're getting I don't care how old you're getting that's the first thought I hear Holy Spirit wants to deal with I don't care God does not care it makes the miracle more real Come on, everybody in this room's written on their Passover seeds. Why did he bring up a first fruit seed about having their baby? Because we know what we do around here in Koinonia at Passover. 
Come on, what do we believe for in this family? What do we believe for in this family? Let the family tree expand. thank you for Abel we thank you for Abel come on can we believe that Abel's with us tonight can we believe that Abel's with us tonight thank you Abel come on what do you need Abel in your storyline what do you need Abel to deliver there's a grandma and a grandpa that are believing for grandchildren out of their, yeah. Will you lay hands on their hands? They stand in the gap for their daughter, Kelly. And they stand in the gap for Chad. And through the oars of Eber, we say, you will hold hope. I know what that means to you two. I know how you two track with Apostle Aaron. And from the voice of Eber, you will hold hope in your hands. And these signs shall follow them that believe. We speak into Kelly's womb tonight. The hope of a child should give you hope for anything. Parents in the room that have children, parents in the room that have children, every day you look at your child, you see a miracle. So whatever you hope for, it's possible. It's possible. Let it be a healing in time. Before you came in here, Jen got up and began to prophesy in prayer. And I said, Enoch will follow them into this room tonight. So I declare like our apostle has said to this house many times, Northgate, you're right on time and you're right where you're supposed to be. And so this is a safe place to raise your families and raise your children and your grandchildren. This is a safe place to put your resources This is a safe place for your legacy. I don't care what it looks like today. Alba knows that we'll own this whole strip mall tomorrow. Alba knows. Because his promises are yes and amen. Buddy, I thank you for being so brave. Mr. Parker does not know how I have been belittled in the middle of this city. One At one point celebrated as a citizen of the year to literally out of nowhere becoming a criminal. It's going to be all right. 
Because out of this situation, Philippi, Philippians, the jailer becomes the apostolic authority over the church of Philippi. Get into Philippians and see Lydia's name start to be mentioned. Apostolic authority comes over a whole city because somebody's willing to stand their ground. Apostolic authority will come over a 40-mile radius. I taught with our leaders on Tuesday night. We went back into the book of the North Gate. I taught out of the book of the North Gate. And I read the 2016 prophecies of April about how 10 times Apostle D told us to become a family, not a church. So that's why we're going to be okay when the lease of this building is up. Because it's going to allow us home to home. Become more in love with Yahweh and more in love with one another. That it'll begin to open portals just like when Philip could transport. We'll begin to access things that we never thought we could access before. Because in this home to home, it's going to bring us closer together. I want you to begin to hear me. This transition will not be a shaking if you're rooted in beloved identity. You'll trust the path that Abba has for all of us. And I say it like this. We could hit 12 months from here and end up owning all this land. All we're doing is being obedient to the process right now. We could be in home groups for six months and then be signing the deed in August. I don't know. You know what I'm going to do? Say yes. Say yes to being in love with Jesus and in love with one another to the point we're not here to mend a culture. That was what we were doing. We were trying to fix a broken culture in Portage County. That was not the prophecy of 2016. Do you know the last sentence apostle says? And I apostolically send you out of the man away to become the home of the rockets. To become. Now the becoming has started. Now the building of a culture has begun. And that's why we take moments like this tonight and say, this is perfect. This is right. This is perfect. This is right. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Gate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.